what's going on everybody happy sunday happy sunday hope everyone's having an amazing day so far uh as we dive into today's sunday service would love to see where everybody's tuning in from tonight and for those of you that didn't know Sunday service, we are on Pace Morby's YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, Cody Barton. And we also have this on Spotify and iTunes. So if you wanted to listen on the way to and from your appointments or work or whatever you're doing, you can make sure to check us out on there as well. And so tonight, what I really wanted to make this Sunday service around is yes, happy to answer some questions around creative finance with real estate and then also want to talk about you know what what's the thing that's holding you back from getting your first deal or your next deal currently in your business would love to hear questions around those things tonight see what i could do to be able to bring you some value see what we can do to help you and be able to get that first deal or that next deal done and being able to continue working towards whatever your dreams are within your real estate business we got people tuning in. We got Pacifica, California, Covina, California. We got lots of California tonight. Cyprus. We got Saeed and Mesa. We got Dallas, Texas, Houston, North Carolina, Tucson, Arizona. You East Coast people, we appreciate you that uh, that are listening in on the East Coast. I know this isn't uh, a very great time of the day for you listening in at 10 o'clock at night. So, again, we appreciate you being here it should be fun and yes for everyone wondering pace is in montana uh attempting to find a place that he can buy with some land like a little ranch little yellowstone action for those of you yellowstone fans uh curious I'm, I'm curious who in here has seen this the tv show yellowstone I, my only regret is i just wish it had more episodes so i get sad but uh Great show. Claudio, what's up? What's up? We got Pine Top Easy. Wow. All over. Amazing. Ryan Harold. For those Yellowstone fans, Pace Dutton. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. Uh, we're gonna dive into some questions again. The questions for those that are that are jumping in here. Uh, the questions that I'm really gonna be focusing on are some of your questions around creative finance, and then also what's stopping you from getting your next deal or your first deal. For those of you that haven't done a deal yet, that's what we want to talk about. Uh, so we got a question here, and I think this would probably be helpful for a lot of people listening in. Jasper Sun is saying, hey, Cody, I seem to be okay in generating leads, but I'm having trouble closing them. I'm working with a sub two student, but it sometimes just seems like the offer isn't good enough. What are your thoughts? So there's thing, there's multiple things that we have to be looking at when we're, uh, when we're trying to get deals, first of all. So what we want to be looking at is what expectation are we setting for ourselves with the deals that we're trying to get? And so Jasper, I don't know your specific situation, so I'm going to 
answer it generally, but hopefully this could give you some good insight to your question, is we have to understand how many people we need to really talk to to actually be able to get a deal under contract, right? So um, just generally across the board, again, there's a lot of people that are doing significantly better than this. There's people that are doing right on par with this. There's people maybe not as good that aren't really hitting this number yet. But generally across the board, typically about one in every 50 leads that you generate, especially when you're newer, should be able to convert into a contract. Now, again, it's not every single lead source type. I'm just giving a general rule of thumb nationwide what we see when people are newer in their business, about one in 50 leads converts into a contract. So my question for you, Jasper, that you got to ask yourself and anybody else that's listening that's having the same issue is if you're wondering, hey, why am I not getting deals or why am I not getting anything under contract or I'm having a hard time getting a contract or it's been months since I've got a contract. The thing that you have to look at is, okay, well, how many leads have you generated? And what do you know what a lead really is? So reiterating for anybody that's maybe not heard this before, a lead, in our opinion, is someone that has the four pillars of motivation. And you say, what are the four pillars? That's the, they have to have a motivation. They have to have a price. They have to have a timeline and you have to have the condition of the property. Those four things we're going to consider a lead in our system. So not, you know, not just someone that says they're interested in selling, but they have to have a motivation. They have to have a timeline. That's actually a real timeline. They will be selling they have to have condition of the property, and then they have to give you at least a ballpark of price, right? So that's considered a lead. So what you want to look at is how many of those do you have in your database? And for those of you that are brand new, maybe you're just throwing these leads into an Excel spreadsheet, or you have a CRM like Podio or REI Blackbook or one of these different you know, uh, softwares to be able to help manage your leads. So when you look at that, okay, if you have yet to do a deal, look at how many leads have you generated? Where are you at? If you're over 50, well, you may just not be very good at closing. And, and if you're you know just a little bit over 50, it's like continue generating leads. And if you're in Jasper's situation where you're not great at closing sellers, like for myself, for example, I don't really like doing sales and I didn't really enjoy doing the closing when uh, when pay, when I had my real estate investing business first starting, but I did it because it was a necessary evil to just get my business going. And so as soon as I possibly could, and you know, that's when Pace and I linked up together with our businesses is I was able to lean on him to do the closing. So what Jasper's saying is he's, he's squatted up with another, with a sub two student of Pace's and is trying to have them help close the deal. And so the thing you have to realize Jasper and everybody else is when you're attempting to get deals under contract, the challenge is you, if you're not tracking the activity that you're doing, you're unable to actually be able to know how good you're doing or how bad you're doing because you want to be tracking, you know, okay, how many leads have I gotten? How many times have I called these leads? You know, how many offer attempts have I tried to make on those? If you don't have any of that data, it's hard for you to be able to make any changes. It's kind of like going to the gym 
and like you're working out really hard, but then you go home and eat a pizza and then you eat ice cream and then you eat junk food for dinner and then you're eating crap food every day and you're working really hard going to the gym, but you're not tracking the important component of what actually changes things within within your your body, which is going to be your diet. And so you could be working really hard trying to generate leads, talking to some sellers, but if you're not tracking and paying attention to what you're actually doing in your business, you're going to be unable to make intelligent decisions around what you need to change. Because what you may need to change is you just need to make more calls on a daily basis. Or maybe what you need to change is that you need to generate more leads, right? So those, uh, you know, ho hopefully that gave some perspective, Jasper, uh, to that to that question. Um, and if you're having, uh, you know, and when it comes to the offer not being good enough, I'm just going to address that real quick here too. Most of the time, people are not going to take your offer. Notice how I said on, you know, around one in fifty. So that means, Jasper, that you would have had to had forty nine people you attempted to give an offer to or you attempted to create some creative finance terms with that said no you're crazy you're stupid you're a piece of crap for giving me a low offer you're an idiot no one's ever no one would ever take that type of offer that's what you have to go through to be able to get to that other side where you actually get a deal done it's it's a numbers game all right Jasper, thank you so much for that question. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Ooh, I'm going to grab this one here. So for those of you that are new, driving for dollars was the way that I got my business started. This helped me get my first deals going and it helped me not spend a bunch of money. And so Brian uh, is saying, did my first driving for dollars today. I found 13 properties in about 50 minutes. How exactly would you call these people and what to say? So you could go over to Pace's YouTube or my YouTube and just you know find a video around cold calling and scripts. And we have our scripts that we use to call people that you could download for free. Um, so if you want to do that, if you're you know not knowing what to say, but you can keep it super simple. Um, obviously, the scripts will go way more into detail and that'll be helpful for you. So you can jump over to our YouTube and check that out and be able to download those. But um, honestly, the simpler, the better. Like if I'm, if I, I could be calling a seller ring, ring. Hey, Brian, my name's Cody. Or obviously if you, you know, hadn't had a conversation with them. Hey, is this Brian? Yeah, this is Brian. Who is this? Hey, my name's Cody. I was actually going through the neighborhood, you know, the other day or going through your neighborhood the other day. And I drove by your property at 123 Main Street. And I was just curious, you know, would you be interested in selling that or you wouldn't be interested in selling that, would you? And then they're going to say one of a few things. No, don't ever call me again. No, F you. How do you get my number? No, hang up. Like those things can happen or you'll have Actually, uh, you know, not right now, but, you know, we're considering maybe selling a little bit later this year if you want to check in with me then. Or actually, we would be interested in selling. What do you want to offer? Or 
uh, yeah, I'd sell it. What do you want to offer? What's your offer? What's your offer? Like those are like general like types of responses you're going to get. And so that's when then you're going to want to dig into those four pillars a little bit more understanding like, okay, well, well, Brian, tell me a little bit more about the property. Obviously I drove by it. You know, this isn't an area that I am buying properties in. Um, you know, what, what's, what's the condition like on the inside? You know, have you done any remodeling recently that like, you know, finding out about those four pillars, what's the condition? What's the timeline? Hey, Brian, I, I'm looking to buy a property here in like the next 30 to 60 days in this neighborhood. Does that timeline fit within the time that you're looking to sell? Or, or am I totally off bat and you're like, hey, I'm like a year out, you know, just trying to like pull out of them, like where, where are they at in their process? And then that timeline of wanting to or needing to sell. Um, so you pull out there the condition, you pull out there the timeline of when they want to sell. And man, Brian, so obviously you, you, you know, maybe there, there's some things that you're telling me that have to be done to the property. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're going to be moving here in the next couple months. I mean, do you have a ballpark idea in mind of like what you'd be looking to get for the place? Like what, what's that look like? Obviously try to get the price the way that you can. Perfect. If they give you a price, amazing. If they're like, well, no, what's your offer? That's a great question. And, and that's exactly why I'm calling is because I'm trying to just get a little bit more information about the condition of the property, what your timeline looks like, because I only have a certain amount of funds that I allocate to purchase properties and it'll depend. My offer sometimes can depend based on the amount of funds that I have available. And so I am looking again to buy in the next 30 to 60 days. And you said that that timeline does work for you. With that being said, do you have like an idea of in mind of what ballpark you'd be looking to get? So then you can maybe get a range of price or if they're giving, you know, they're, they're really tough personality and they're like, no, I want to know your offer. Okay. No problem. Well, even if it was like a pie in the sky number, like, you know, what, what would make you stoked to move? Okay. Maybe they give you a number. Maybe it's a little ridiculous, but you at least get a number out of them at that point. Um, so you figured out the timeline, the condition, the price. Shoot, Brian. I mean, I, you told me that the properties and it's generally an okay condition. You've had it for a lot of years. You're going to be, you know, wanting to do this in the next couple of months. Can I ask, you know, why don't you just keep it? You know, you mentioned you were going to be moving, but you know, why don't you just keep it as a rental? Why don't you list it? Why don't you do a million and one other options besides selling to you? That's how our sales team is trained to close these deals. And that's how you have those conversations. And so that's how I had those conversations when I was having a direct conversation with a seller. Um, just keeping it easy. We got to remember these sellers, they're, they're normal people like you and I, they have, they have families, they have goals, they have dreams, they have stresses in their life. They have different things going on. So it's just like being a normal human and having that conversation and just catering it towards the information you need to gather, which again, that's, you got to find out those, um, those criteria to know if you could even go further, because if they tell you that, you know, they don't, they're not that interested in selling, they don't have a timeline, they, they're not super motivated. That's probably not someone you want to continue really following up with because there's no real motivation. You want to deal with serious sellers, not curious sellers. Curious sellers will sell for a pie in the sky number. Serious sellers have a definite timeline that they will be selling, whether they're selling to you or somebody else, they have a definite timeline of when they're going to sell. So Brian, hopefully that was helpful. I need to get to some of these, uh, some of these questions here. Seeing a 
bunch of these popping down here. Oh man, uh, here's an off topic one, but a great one. So Brian says, what are your plans for your studio? I'm such a lazy POS with my studio, my home studio. Pace probably wants to strangle me half the time. And here's the reality, guys. I spend so much of my time during the week working in our businesses, looking at deals, looking at you know how we're gonna uh, create you know additional incentives for our, our companies that we have for our employees. Looking at like setting up 401k plans for our companies. Research, you know, looking at health insurance for our company. You know, our our staff like. Are putting recruiting plans together for our team. Look, you know, strategizing around the properties that we're going to acquire between now and the end of the year. Meeting with our CPA, our CFO. Like, I'm doing a lot of things in our business, and for me, it's just gotten to a point where I'm like, my content is excellent. I put out good shit. People need the information that I'm sharing. And so I've lacked on the studio. Shout out to our media team, though. Eric Ballman, really appreciate him helping me get at least my lighting, my camera. I need to even get that adjusted. I don't mess with it. I don't know anything about cameras. So I have this amazing, super high-end expensive camera on the other side of me here, but I haven't done anything with the settings, nor do I really care. When later this week, I'm going to have Eric come over. We're going to strategize some of the things we're going to put behind me here in the studio. Uh, and then probably, you know, just get maybe the lighting a little bit more dialed in and that's going to be it. I mean, I don't, to me, I don't really, uh, I don't really care that much. I just want to make sure the the quality looks good. So all you knuckleheads watching or, you know, or, or can appreciate the, uh, the background and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So many, so many questions. But that was a good one, Brian. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay, so scrolling through some of these here. Wow, wow, wow. Y'all have some really amazing questions. I'm going to pin this one, and I'm going to keep scrolling down to see what, what, uh, what we have here. Daniel saying shout out to the car keys S class. Thank you. I do enjoy my S class. Sweet. Okay. We got a lot of good questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep cruising through here Try to bring, uh, bring some good answers for all of you here. Let's see. So Daryl Banks sub two. is saying, Cody, what is the role of an integrator on your team? So when we're looking at integrator, visionary in general, typically like visionary personalities are going to be more like sales and marketing driven. Like that's typically going to be kind of the, the mindset um, of a visionary Integrators typically going to be more operations, risk, risk management, finance, systems, all of those things. And so 
that's what you're looking at is some of those differences and specifically within a real estate company, um, you know, real estate wholesaling business, you know, for Pace and myself, when we were a lot more active and doing a lot of the things ourselves, for me, that was managing our systems, making sure that we had leads coming in, making sure that appointments were being set for our sales team, which was Pace. And then our sales team that we had working under him. And then when he would get those contracts closed, then I would, you know, basically, uh, work with dispoing those properties when it came to negotiating. Sometimes Pace would get involved at that point, is you know trying to get us the best spread on some of those deals based on you know uh, what the deal was. And so, really, that's the the dynamic of integrator visionary. It's typically you know those two things: visionary, more sales, marketing driven. Um, as far as like big ideas around marketing, not like implementing the nitty gritty around marketing, and then. The integrator, again, you know, operations, systems, lead generation, uh, you know, managing the team, those sorts of things are a lot of the, the things integrators are typically doing. Oh, Pace. Yo, what up? Pace is living his best life in, uh, in Montana right now, everybody. Some of the pictures he's been posting, it looks freaking beautiful right now. Awesome, awesome. Oh, here, here's another good question, our buddy. So the Naked Truth family is asking, what's the best list to get in a seller's market? Well, there is no best list. And I just want to reemphasize that again. There is no best list. There's no secret list. All the lists work. If you work probate leads, those work. If you work pre-foreclosure leads, those work. If you work, ta work tax liens or defaults, those work. If you work high equity absentee owners, those also work. The thing that you have to you know, realize is there's motivated sellers within all of these different types of lists. And you just have to look at like, what's your budget looking like? Like if I only was able to work one demographic of a seller, I would work pre-foreclosures only. And the reason being is because those people are already raising their hand saying, hey, I'm missing my mortgage payments. I have some sort of financial distress going on in my life, either a job loss, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a health issue, uh, maybe it's a family issue, maybe... Uh, you know, a million different things could be going on in their life, but they're already raising their hand that there is some distress going on in their life. And so what we have to do as investors is problem solve. And so the people that we can solve the problem for the easiest are people that are in a time sensitive problem, which are pre foreclosures. So pre foreclosures, I think hands down, always going to be the best. Second, a close second to those, I really like probates or inherited because those are properties that people a lot of times don't have an emotional attachment to, like people that own their primary residence. So it's maybe a pro you know, it's obviously a property they're inheriting. So they may not be as attached to the equity in that property. It's more of a headache for them. And if you could solve all their problems, you can make a bunch of money on those as well. So really good market, bad market, 
you want to be working with the people that have a definite need and they have a definite timeline of selling. And there's a more likelihood of those with people in those distressed situations or in a, Hey, I don't really want this property. I inherited it from my mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, like it, one of those types of situations. And so that's something that, um, I'll tell people all day long is go deep on the pre foreclosures and on the you know inherited probates and then expand out from there as you start building your business. But if you're on a small budget, those are the best to be able to be putting your efforts around because they're already again raising their hand that there is a potential need in uh, in the in the near horizon for something to change in their life. Daniel saying, what per, what percentage of ARV in Las Vegas right now? Looks like the market slowed down in that. Looks like it slowed down a lot in that market. So here's one thing to keep in mind, everybody, is every market is going to be different. There are some markets in the United States right now that inventory is building a lot faster than others. And what you have to do is become an expert in your local market. Some, you know, I track the active listings in Arizona. And back in March, we were at 3,000. We're now at 18,700 as of today. That sounds scary. It sounds like a lot. A healthier market's around 25 to 30,000 listings. That's a more healthy market. So we're still lower inventory. Um, yes, that is something to be paying attention to. Um, so Daniel, my, my response to you and everybody listening is you have to understand what's happening in your market. And you have to know what is a low inventory for your market? What is a normal inventory? And then what is an oversupplied inventory where it's more of a buyer's market because of how many properties are for sale? So those are things that you just have to be paying attention to in your market. I don't do deals in Nevada. I don't market in Nevada. So I'm not going to be the best one to give you insight on what people are buying at in Nevada. So that's something that you want to you want to do that research. Or what you can do if you're like, well, Cody, I don't know what I should be buying deals at my market. Go to the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. Join the Facebook group if you're not already there. Go introduce yourself. Say, hey, my name's Daniel. I'm getting started or I'm investing in the Nevada market. I'm looking to connect with investors that are doing fix and flips, buying rentals in this market so I could see what your criteria is so I could bring you deals. And if you connect with some experienced investors that are doing deals, now you could bring the uh, you you're able to connect with them. They'll tell you what they're buying at, which will give you a good pulse of what people are buying deals at in that market. And you just added some buyers to your buyers list as well, created some new relationships. That's what I would do, regardless of what market you're in listening to this podcast on. Mm, okay, let's see here. <laughs> this is great. Someone, someone, uh, someone commented, Dennis said, Cody, can you explain the difference between balloon and what the difference between contract with a balloon and no balloon is? And then Fabian said, balloons are for clowns quote by pace. <laughs> um, so essentially this is something that's very easily Googleable, but I will answer the question. What is a balloon? A balloon is basically just a term that is used in a contract that states when something will be essentially need to be paid in full. So say, for example, I'm 
you know, I'm negotiating a deal with the seller and it's a seller finance. And I say, hey, I want to make payments to you for $1,000 a month for the next 30 years for the property I'm buying from you. And they say, well, that's all right. I'm happy with that. But in 10 years, I, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Or in five years, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I'm okay with that for a certain amount of time, but I don't want to go 30 years. So you add into the contract something called a balloon. And that is something where you say, okay, well, let's meet in the middle. Let's say, let's do it for seven years. So I'm negotiating with that seller. I'm going to pay them $1,000 a month for the next seven years. And at year seven, the remaining balance that's due on the mortgage. So say, let's just call it, uh, you know, say the mortgage is $200,000. And I've been making payments of $1,000 a month for seven years. So let's do the quick math on that. Just doing this on my phone calculator. So $1,000 a month times 12 months a year times seven years, you pay off $84,000 of that 200,000. So what happens is you take 200,000, subtract 84,000 and payments you've already made. There's $116,000 still due on that loan. And so what happens is at that year seven mark, the balloon comes due and you have to pay off that remaining $116,000. It balloons, like it pops. Imagine it like a balloon popping. That's your payment becoming all due for the remaining of that balance. And so um, when, when, that, when that becomes due at that, at that stage, you could have a few options. You could either sell the property. You could either refinance it into a different mortgage. You can renegotiate with your seller and extend it out if they're willing to do that. Um, those are a few things you could do or pay it off. I mean, you have multiple things that you can do, but that mortgage that's in place, that note that has the agreement saying what had to happen is stating the terms of that balloon needing to be paid at that year seven. So that's essentially what a balloon, uh, a balloon is in a contract. New Life Kenya says, love it. You rock, Cody. And you put out dope shiznit. Thank you. That's all we're trying to do. That's why Pace and I do Sunday service. We just want to put out dope shiz. We wish that we had something like this when we were starting in our business where we could go to ask questions and get some good answers and be able to get insight, inspiration, um, real tactical things that you know people that are really doing the business are doing. And so that, that's again, that's why we do Sunday service. <clears throat> so we, we appreciate it. Oh, good. Let's see what. Benjamin, we appreciate the things you do behind the scenes. Yep, that's me. I'm like, like if you guys have seen like the Wizard of Oz and then you get to the end of the movie in The Wizard of Oz, and then you see this guy, and they, they, like, pull the curtain back, and then there's this guy, like, pulling, like, these, like, all these different levers all over the place. That's essentially me. I'm the guy behind the curtain doing all the, all the weird stuff. Alicia, thank you. Cody's content is amazing, Alicia says. If you're not already subscribed... Go to my YouTube channel, literally go on YouTube right now, type in Cody Barton, subscribe to my channel. 
and I put out a lot of dope stuff. And Pace is annihilating me on YouTube. It's not really a competition. I love I love watching how fast it's growing. If actually, if you're not subscribed to Pace's channel and you're listening to this, subscribe to Pace's channel. I want to see him be at a hundred thousand subs here in the next like sixty days. Like it has to happen. So I, I want to see that happen. Oh, this is here. Here's a good one here. And then remember, guys, uh, we're going to take still the next 15, 20 minutes, answer some questions around getting your first deal, getting your next deal. uh, And then, you know, any creative finance related things as well. Happy to answer those questions as well. But Claudio has a good question here, um, or I guess just looking for what the heck I'm doing uh, on a daily basis. It's actually very boring, so you know, uh, apologize in advance, but I will tell all of you what my normal day-to-day looks like now. Um, but Claudio says, Cody, what does your week typically look like throughout the day now that a lot of the business has been delegated, hired, and systemized? All right. So on... On a weekly basis, Claudio, my day looks a lot like this. And I'm trying to, because on a week to week, it changes a little bit. But generally, throughout the week, at the beginning of the week, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I do meetings with all of the leaders and the companies that we have. So within our different companies that you know we hold our rentals, our Airbnbs, I have meetings with our asset manager our operations manager for our real estate company. I have meetings with our uh, the leadership team at Start Virtual. I have meetings with our media team that you know puts out all of the cool YouTube content and all the different stuff that we're doing and all that helps facilitate all these crazy challenges like Zero to Hero, the Elephant Challenge, and everything else that you see going on. So I do a lot of those meetings and then help establish you know, uh, additional leaders within our companies, because once you've gotten your, once you get your business up and running, your business really becomes about your people, your processes, and then your, the, the product or service that your, your company fulfills on. So your real estate company, your people are your salespeople. It's your dispo team or it's your business partner or whoever that is. So you're working on your people, their leadership abilities, you're helping them skill up. So those are the things that I'm doing now. It's it's helping manage them and then also manage the goals that we're trying to achieve. So a lot of my stuff's around meetings, uh, meeting with our CPA, talking about taxes, how to reduce our tax liabilities, meeting with attorneys, making sure that our li- you know we're, we're uh, not setting ourselves up for liability at any of our companies and re- you know, readjusting things as we go, uh, working with our HR department between our companies, making sure that our processes for HR are in place. So honestly, a lot of the boring stuff, I work, you know, the finance team, uh, you know, our, our CFO, like I had a four hour meeting on Thursday, just going through our different companies, how we did for the last month, what we're looking at, you know, projecting for the next month, capital that's going to be required for projects coming up, capital that's coming back from projects that are finishing up. I mean, those are a lot of the things that I'm doing now. Um, it's a lot of the strategy behind how our businesses are growing and working on empowering the people in our organization to be the best that they can be, because that's what 
I believe as leaders, once you've built a business that is making money and you're starting, you know, and you're continuing to grow it, um, our job is to be good stewards of our business and be great leaders for people and be able to help them start achieving their goals. So um, those are a lot of the things that I, I think about and try to spend time on. Obviously, we want to make more money and the businesses to continue to grow. Um, but how that happens, that that's a fruit. The root of it is doing those things that I was talking about. And then you build this great big tree and then you get to reap the fruits from from the roots that you built into the ground and, you know, watch this thing grow. So. Um, that that's a lot of the stuff that I um, spend time doing on a weekly basis. I know it's not exactly spe you know perfectly specific because that's a little bit different every week, but those are around the meetings and things that I that I focus on. Um, Sergio says, "Is zero to hero challenge still the best way to get my first deal?" Um, I would say yes if your goal is to go direct to seller. If you want a direct to seller business. Going to the zero to hero REI, uh, going to zero to hero REI.com. Um, that's basically a challenge that people are always complaining that I don't have any time to build my real estate business or I, I work a nine to five or I, I just don't have time to do this thing. And so what myself, Pace and Matt decided to do last year was we're like, we're tired of hearing that excuse. So we'll let people vote on us going to some random market. We got told, you know, told to go to North Carolina and we started a real estate business from scratch. We created a new name. We created a new website. We created the logo. Um, we set up our marketing systems. Uh, we set up everything and then started generating leads and then started following up with those leads. And then we got two contracts at the end of 15 days of starting that, doing it three hours a day, five days a week for three weeks. And that's what we did. And that's what zero to hero REI.com is all about. And so, yeah, you, and, and we recorded all of it. So it's literally like you watch me fumbling around on the computer, setting up the system and you watch, you know, Matt fumbling with, you know, a, a seller, uh, that, you know, conversation that goes sideways, like though you get to see all the real stuff in that. So, um, yeah, I. If your goal is to go direct to seller, the answer to that question, Sergio, is yes. All right. Hope everyone's having a good night so far. Always fun. Kevin leaves his happy Sunday service, y'all. <laughs> Michelle, thank you for being a subscriber on my channel. Make sure you're subscribed to Paces too if you're not already. Okay. Seeing. Hmm. <laughs> Emilio, how says Cody, how does one get you to be a guest speaker on their live zoom meetups with their group? Would love to ha give the integrators in our group an amazing guest speaker. Emilio message me directly on Instagram. Um, you could find my Instagram typing in Cody Barton official. I only named it that because Cody Barton was taken and I offered him money for my name and he refused to sell it to me. Um, so you can go to see if, uh, Oh, that's 
thing cameras all zoomed in but cody barton official on instagram you could message me on there emilio and then we could see if we could work something out all right let's Kenny says, how come we never see anything from Matt Beard anymore? Uh, go check Matt Beard out on YouTube, Kenny. He's still posting a lot of content out there. Mm, okay. Seeing, seeing what, good, what other good questions we have here. Here's a good one. So Nathan says, how would I borrow money for a down payment when a lender for a DSCR loan, which for those that don't know, a DSCR loan is a debt service coverage ratio loan. You can go on Google, type in what is a debt service coverage ratio loan? And you could find an answer there directly for those of you that are like, what the heck is that? But that you want to, but they want to source where the down payment money came from. So Nathan, it depends how you're trying to structure the deal. Um, you could on the deal have them, you know, write up a joint venture agreement with that partner and see if the lender will accept that. Like having, you know, say if they're bringing $40,000 to the table, again, every lender is going to be different. Some might accept this, some might not. Um, but have them write up a note where they're going to be lending you, you know, 40,000 or $50,000 and seeing if you're able to submit that with their bank statements showing those funds that are available or even better yet, see if they can, um, if the lender will accept it, if that lender of yours, that's going to be giving you the private money, wires that money to the title company that you're going to be using for the transaction. And if they'll accept that since the funds will already be at the title company. Again, some title companies may be okay or not okay to do that. Some lenders might be okay or not okay to do that, but that's a potential solution that you could look at there. Super Mario, Zero to Hero is A to B on building a business, systems and sales, super powerful and dope. Thanks for that, Mario. We, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, I traveled between like three different countries and like four different states during that 15 days. So it was kind of hectic for me, but we still had a lot of fun. It's a little bit chaotic. Ooh, it's a mindset thing from Olga here. What happens when you were fired up with the business and now you feel a slight change? Anyone put, put a, put a peace sign. If you're, if you've ever been motivated about your business and then felt a slight change, meaning you started, you've felt demotivated, unexcited, um, uninspired, or one of those emotions has came up for you. So I'm going to give you the answer to this, Olga, but then I'll also give you like some insight for me. Um, so what, what I look at is when like I start to feel uninspired or like I just start to feel a little bit um, not motivated is one of the things that that begins to happen is like you're just, you know, chipping away at, at the business is like it can be it, it, it can become lonely. So like having some battle buddies to be able to link up with, like for those that aren't in Pace's sub two community, 
that's a great community to be able to plug into um, where you can link, you know, go into creative finance with Pace More Be Facebook group, uh, introduce yourself in there, try to squat up with some people that are doing deals in the market that you're doing deals in. Try to get together with them. Community is what helps keep you going. You know, motivation gets you started. Community gets you going for, for the long haul. Find people that are doing what you want to do. Go to lunch with them. Go to dinners with them. Meet up with them, you know, a couple times a month. You know, squat up with them. See, like, what deals they're working on, how you could bring them value and vice versa. When you have a community of other people that are inspired and on the same mission of, as you are, it can keep you going. <clears throat> and for me, <clears throat> what I what I look at, Olga, is, and it's crazy to, to think this because it hasn't even been five years, but... Um, I had a mentor of mine tell me when I was 17 years old, and that's when I started my entrepreneurial uh, journey in life. Um, he told me, he's like, Cody, if you're not going to commit at least five years to being successful in this business, don't even start. Don't even waste your time. And so I've taken that to heart on any endeavor that I've gotten involved with is, you know, giving it five years to be successful. Not like I'm going to wait five years to be successful. I'm going to be successful faster. And then when I get bored and, you know, disheartened and disenchanted from like the challenges along the way, I'm going to keep cruising away for five years. And then in five years, I could look up and say, you know what? I, I, uh, did I give this my best shot? Did I not? Where am I at? How would I do? And so that's what I look at is I try to look on bigger time horizons. I think everybody's looking on how to get a deal today, how to get a deal in their first 30 days, how to get rich in six months, how to get rich in a year. It's like, I'm trying to be rich for life, not rich for a season. And so that's what I think um, when, when you change up your perspective around like your time frames and like the time horizon of what you're trying to accomplish it becomes a little bit less pressure and a little bit just more like relieving of, okay, I'm committed to this for the long haul. Like I'm not, I'm not just doing this for a short period of time. I'm not giving this a shot. I'm committed. And you know, the difference between interested and committed is, is committed is doing what you said you were going to do long after the mood that you said it, you said it in has passed you. So it's doing what you said you were going to do when you were all excited on day one, six months down the road when you wake up and you're tired and like you've been getting beaten up by sellers and you know things aren't going your way and still continuing to follow course. So um, hopefully that was helpful. But that's that's kind of what I look at. Um, I think you know, we turn our expectations into appreciations and just appreciate the journey and the things that we're doing um, versus expecting a result so quickly and expecting, you know, to just happen so fast. It's it's work, work hard, but, you know, it's like having a healthy patience around like, hey, like I'm not going to be rich tomorrow. Like that's that's kind of the, the mindset that I, I try to keep in mind at, at all times and just have that perspective. Harambi, ask your question. Since you said, I'm literally the only person asking a creative finance question and I keep getting skipped. I did answer the question about balloons. That is a creative question, but ask your question again. There's a bunch of questions, so I apologize that I don't get all of them. Uh, 
I'm going to watch for your question, Harambe. Oh, what up? Mr. Matt Beard popped in here. If you could only do one thing right now, what would you be focusing on? MMAs, money-making activities. That's what I'd be focusing on. What are the things that are going to get me to making more money? That's what I would be doing if I, you know, if I was in a newer state. Kevin, yeah, hit me up on Instagram as, as far as, uh, um, you know, getting me on to, you know, be a part of anything that you're doing. Happy to, happy to help how I can. All right, everybody. I am looking for Olga. You got it. And you see, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that, you know, uh, I, 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 somebody that I listened to for a, a lot of years and I still turn back to listening to RT hit it right on the head. Motivation is temporary. You know, uh, I'm, you know, not a mentor that I personally knew, but that I listened to a lot on YouTube and read his books is Jim Rohn. He, uh, actually I'm lying. It's not Jim Rohn that made this quote. This is a Zig Ziglar thing. Um, Zig Ziglar, amazing speaker, tons of amazing personal development content. One of the quotes that he said is motivation is kind of like showering. It doesn't last. So you have to do it daily, meaning like you have to pour more good stuff in on a daily basis to continue that motivation going and that commitment going just as you have to shower every day. You don't shower yesterday and say, I'm good for the week. Like you got to continue doing it. So many peace signs, Matt says Cody keeps me going dude you you keep you going you're always you're always on the run man you're always plugging away here is Harambe's question everybody what circum and and I know that's probably not your real name you should put your real name here so I can tease you with your real name and not Harambe the uh, the gorilla that had that situation happen years ago. But anyways, Harambe's question is what circumstances dictate what percentage of interest you offer on an owner finance? And is it always good to let the seller dictate the price if they're going to accept zero down? There are so many layers to that. That's like a freaking onion. But let's just get right into how I address seller finances in general. I go after the best possible terms I could possibly get from the beginning. So Generally, rule of thumb, like if a property is like, say, like $500,000 and under, I'm going to try to sneak my way into that deal with as little down as possible. So starting at, hey, you know what, 10 or $20,000 down, like kind of see like, you know, how much money they need down. Because more importantly, I find out what the seller needs, not what I want to offer Harambe and everybody else. So it's a conversation with the seller. Um, so I'm just going to assume they're already open to seller finance in general. Yeah, I'm open to selling on a, on a seller finance. So, okay, well, let's talk about it. So it was a rental for you. You don't want to be a, a, a landlord anymore. You want to upgrade and go to, you know, being a, a lender. So, um, we're going to work out this deal here. So let's talk about the terms that need to make sense for you to be excited about this deal. So what amount of money are you looking to get as a down payment or, you know, what are you going to do with the money? Like those are questions that I would generally ask a seller. 
you know, what amount of money are you looking to get down? And they say, oh, well, you know, I was thinking 50 grand or 75 grand. Or if they say like a higher number, obviously I'm going to try to bring it lower. Okay. Well, you know, I could, I could see that, um, you know, for me, I'm looking to, you know, be able to put a little bit less down so then I can go and invest some money into the property, you know, renovating it a little bit, getting it, uh, getting it up to, you know, uh, 2022 standards. So, uh, you know, where, where do you think you'd need to be for this to be able to work uh, on the down payment side and on the monthly payment? Like, what are, what are you thinking? And so I'm just going to continue to try to drive that down payment as low as possible to where I can try to get it to, I'm generally happy at 10% and under down on a deal. Um, but generally I try to get it for 10 down, 10,000 down, 15, 20, 25,000 down. Um, and, and, and asking them like, what are you going to do with the money sometimes can help? Cause if they start thinking about, okay, well, if I got 25 grand down, I could pay the last $5,000 off my truck. I could pay my seven grand in credit card debt. I'd have some extra cash in my pocket. I'm not a landlord anymore, so I don't have to fix up this property. Like I, those are conversations that you want to have with the sellers, like understanding like what they're wanting or needing the down payment for. So you understand what's more important to them. Um, and then the monthly payment. And then I just try to get that to be at a number where it's going to make sense for it to cash flow on that deal. Like if it's a, you know, a regular rental, I want to, you know, be looking at three fifty, four hundred $400 a month net cash flow on it. So that's what I'm typically going to offer is based on like a payment where I'm going to net three fifty to 400 a month as a rental. So that's how I structure it is I back out the, my monthly payment to be where I'm going to net cash flow positive on a rental, or if it's an Airbnb, I make sure it's at least, you know, as close to break even as possible uh, on the rental. Because if I couldn't Airbnb it down the road, for some reason, I want to be able to pivot back to a rental if I had to. And then the down payment is just a kind of like a, a game going back and forth, figuring out how high or low I need to be. Um, and then obviously you just make the decision on how much. Um, I don't like to go significantly over market value with the point part of your question where you're asking how much should I let them dictate on the price? Generally, like let's say for example, a property is worth 300,000, but they're willing to give me the exact down, uh, down payment that I want. And they're going to give me my monthly payment that to give them on my terms. I may pay 10% or 15% over if it's going for, a long term of a loan, like I'll pay three thirty on a three hundred thousand dollar property if I know I'm going to be, you know, net cash flow positive. I know I'm putting in a reasonable amount of money down where it's still going to make sense for me, and I'm carrying this property for the long term. Sure, I'll do that. That so that's how I look at that more. Like I don't just like shoot out random offers. I get I put I craft the offers around like what the seller's looking for and then what we need to have internally for our company to want to own that deal. That's what I do on that. All right, so hopefully hopefully that was able to help uh answer your question there. I'm going to grab another question before we wrap up tonight. We'll do one or two, but based on based on the questions I see. Kevin says, we know this may not be your favorite thing to do, but you're good at it. Inspiring. Thank you. Just want to be here to help. And, you know, I, I, I like seeing people do well. It gives me emotional income. Obviously, you, you have like actual income and then emotional income. And uh, doing Sunday service is a labor of love. Obviously, that's why Pace and I have done this for freaking three years on Sunday nights. 
um, when we could be doing a million other things. We do this because we enjoy it and it's it's fun. And we, we love seeing the progress that people are making um, on, a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis um, from if we could be a part of the journey and share some nuggets that you could take and, you know, make a better life for yourself. That's what we're looking for. So um, I love to see it. Carrie hit it right on the head. You are going to be like the five people you hang around. If you don't like where they are, find a new five. That's it all day. If everybody you hang out with is fat, probably going to be fat. If everybody you hang out with is broke, probably going to be broke. If everyone you hang around is fit, probably going to be fit. Everyone around you is rich, probably going to be rich. Like those are, it's just, it is what it is. Um, you know, if you got to fly with the eagles, if you want to soar like an eagle, like you, that's, you just got to get around better people. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know anyone better, start start networking, go to meetups, join the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, introduce yourself. I had a lot of friends online and virtually before I had as many people in my network that were local, that were movers and shakers and doing things. So you can network virtually too. So um, regardless of where you're at. Uh, uh, Nancy says there are two Cody Barton officials on IG and one sent weird messages to me. So I will never sell crypto or stocks or any of that garbage on any of our social medias. If you get a message from me on Instagram or you think it's me anyways, and it's trying to sell you something, it is not me. Follow the Cody Barton official and it's, I will not, I'm not going to ever try to sell you something on Instagram. I don't have time for that. Ooh, Max Jimenez, what up? Welcome. For those of you that don't know who Max Jimenez is, amazing guy. Um, check him out on Instagram. And, uh, you know, he he's someone that's been, you know, a, a, an amazing closer in the real estate business for years and years now. And, and I look up to him and, you know, just a great overall human. Get rich. He says, get rich quick, get ditched quick. That's it. What goes up too quick, you know, if it happens too fast, it's not likely to last. So, you know, it's just, that's just what it is. All right, let's find, I'm just going to get one more question and we are going to wrap out of here. Gabe says people don't lack motivation. They lack discipline. That's it. It's got to be consistent and disciplined. And you could have everything that you want. Oh, wow. We have a love chat best adult dating site that is spamming our comments here. Let me delete that. So thank you, Emilio. For those watching on Paces Live, if you're not subscribed to Cody's YouTube channel, y'all are missing out. Yes. And hit that like button. Okay, um, here is because Thomas has, uh, you know, gotten involved in the Zero to Hero. And he says, I have my first lead. I'm going to contact the owner tomorrow. How would you approach changing the seller's mind on creative finance? So this is going to be my last question of the evening, everybody. Um, and so th this is a great one. So 
when you're looking at um, just having conversations with sellers in general, the goal is not to convince a man convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. That is a saying that you should ingrain in your head, Thomas, and everybody else that is trying to get deals done. A man convinced of their will is of the same opinion still. You do not convince, you do not try to pull the wool over, you don't try to sell someone on the idea of creative finance or change their mind. You find people that are already going to sell and you show them a path of selling to you and seeing if it's a good fit. You disqualify more than you qualify. That's what you want to do, Thomas. So like when you're talking to this person, you want to identify those four pillars. And when you're doing that, find out their timeline, their motivation, their condition, um, and, and their price. And if it's going to work better for a cash deal, like it just makes more sense to try to give a cash offer on the property, do that. Don't try to fit a round peg in a square hole. But if it is in a situation where like, you know, maybe they have no equity, um, you could, you know, purchase it subject to and, you know, be able to take over those payments. And that that is a viable option. And the seller is open to that. They've already exhausted their options of, you know, they don't want to list it. They don't want to rent it. Like you've already disqualified the other options that they have. Then you use sub two, you use seller finance as a potential solution for them. You don't try to convince people. You find people that are, that were going to sell regardless if you called them or not. And then you help show them and walk them down a path of how you can help them solve their problem, whether it's through a cash offer, whether it's through seller finance, whether it's through subject to disqualify and then advise on what you think would be the best solution for them and the best way to structure the deal to create the winning scenario for you and the best case scenario for the seller. That's, that's what I would do. So Hopefully everybody had a great time tonight. I love doing Sunday service and, and spending this time with all of you. So, um, you know, really, really happy to be here. You know, Pace will be back, I believe, from Montana next week. And we will rock and roll next Sunday. And, uh, you know, for those that didn't already know or tuned in late, you know, we are on Spotify and iTunes. So if you want to listen to these throughout the week while you're driving to and from work or to appointments or whatnot, Check us out on there. If you're not already in the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group, jump over there, get involved in the community, squad up, network up with people that are going to help you and be some accountability buddies together. And guys, have an amazing week and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh.